0: Well good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, good morning anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this morning we start on quite an adventure, I think. Colossians is quite a book, small but powerful. There are just four chapters to the book of Colossians. It's packed with truth about Jesus Christ. Did you know that Ephesians and Colossians are cousins? Well, they are of sorts. They're related in several ways. They have several things in common, as a matter of fact. Uh, There are some ways in which Ephesians and Colossians can be looked at in the same way. They could be both broken in half. Ephesians is six chapters, so it breaks three chapters and three chapters. Colossians is four chapters, and it breaks two and two. But the same outline, doctrinal or practical, and then uh, doctrinal and then practical, works for both of them. Before we dive into the book this morning, Then uh, I ask that you join me in prayer and ask the Lord to help us in our understanding of it. Are you ready? Okay. Father, we love you and we love your word. And it's through hearing the word that we have come to know Jesus. And we're going to hear more from your word in the next few weeks about our Lord Jesus. So help us to do the right thing and to think the right things and to assume the right things, learn the right things from Colossians. We open ourselves to it now through the name of Jesus. Amen. Did you know that more people have died for their faith in Jesus Christ in the 20th century than did for the name of Jesus Christ in all the previous 19 centuries? All added together? Absolute fact. Last year, 2022, 5,500 people died for their faith in Jesus Christ. 5,500 people died for Christ. More than 2,000 churches were attacked and many of them destroyed. 4,500 people were detained or imprisoned for their faith in Jesus Christ. That's not ancient history. That's current Events. I had a prof in school that often said, Stand for something or you'll fall for anything. That has a ring of truth to it, and as far as it goes, it's all right, but doesn't go far enough. You got to stand for the right thing or you'll fall for the wrong things. One of the best summaries overall overlooks at Colossians and Ephesians is written into the New King James paragraph that introduces the book. And I just want you to listen to a couple of sentences. It says this, If Ephesians can be labeled the epistle portraying the church of Christ, then Colossians must certainly be the Christ of the church. Ephesians focuses on the body. Colossians focuses on the head. Jesus Christ is preeminent. He is foremost in everything. We are to be rooted in Him, grounded in Him, alive in Him, hidden in Him, complete in Him. He's to come first in in everything. When you read the prison epistles, and we'll talk more about the prison epistles in a moment, you're going to meet some amazing men, and that's true in part of Colossians, Timothy, Aristarchus, Mark, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Archippus, Onesimus, those are typical of the men that we meet in these prison epistles. We have a mental picture, I think, of Paul traveling around the Middle East and establishing churches. And there's truth in that, but he didn't go alone. Whenever he could, he took others with him. He had a cadre, a band, a a gang, if you want to call it, of people who came with him. Well, they were learning doctrine, and they were learning the practical application of doctrine Every moment of every day, they were with him. Many of them went to prison with him. They heard him preach and teach, and he answered their questions, just like Jesus did with his disciples for so long. They they learned what it was to be a Christian, to act like a Christian, and to swallow the things that uh, happened to Christians by actually living it and doing it and experiencing it and it was a good practical uh, education. Just a glance at a few of the things that we're going to find as we study Colossians. In chapter 1, it says this, He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So in other words... Christ can take a mess of a person and turn them into a saint, make them holy. Jesus Christ changes people. He changes them from the inside out, and he makes forever changes in their life. Colossians will help us see some of that. In chapter 2, you will read, As you therefore received him, walk in him your daily walk, everywhere you go. Firmly rooted and built up in Him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So Christ gives us stability and He causes us to be thankful people. That ought to be characteristic of His people. It further says, in Him you have been made complete. Sometimes people talk about their husband or their wife as having completed them, made them complete. Well, that that is true of spiritual things. Jesus Christ makes us complete, and we are not truly complete in God's sight without him. In chapter 3 you read, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then it uses baptism as an illustration of that. You've died to the old life and you've been raised to walk the new life. Colossians teaches us that the old life is dead and that the new life is alive in Christ and we are alive in Him. I think God did a wonderful thing when He worked it out so that the prison epistles were written by Paul from prison. There are four of them. Three of them were written to churches. One of them was written to an individual. The epistles, the letters that Paul wrote from prison are Ephesians and uh, Philippians and Colossians, and the individual that he wrote to was Philemon. So these four books are called prison epistles for that very reason. Colossi was the point of a triangle. If you'll picture Ephesus over here being the big city, the Chicago of that part of the world. And a 100 miles east of it, there are three smaller cities, Colossians, Hierapolis, and Laodicea. Laodicea gets a letter in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Those three cities are a cluster of cities, and they are impacted by this. In fact, at the end of the book of Colossians, they will be instructed to get the letter that was also written to Laodicea. And those people will be instructed to be sure to read the book that he wrote to the Colossian folks. They were fortified cities, and all of them were on a trade route. When you were studying history in school, did you ever read about the Silk Road? Maybe? The Silk Road was a trade route that came across the east, came from the Far East, the Orient, into the Middle East, around the Mediterranean, but it was the easy route. It avoided some of the mountains and other things. That trade route was traveled constantly by um, trade, trains, uh, you want to call them that, of camels or oxen or whatever, bringing things from the Orient into this part of the land. and it became possible for many of them to do business with each other because trade languages developed. Koine Greek, the Greek that the New Testament was written in, was a trade language. So if you lived in that general area of the world, you had your own mother tongue. Your language from your parents and from the people around you and the country you were in, but you also had a trade language and Koine Greek was that trade language, and people spoke that trade language because they could, by using it, deal with people from all over the rest of that part of the world. So here we got Colossians written to, uh, to the people in Colossae. Colossae, as it, as it was in those days, was a hustling, bustling in place if you would, city on a crossroads, and it had a mountain. It was at the base of a mountain. Mount Cadmus was the name of it. But that mountain was eight thousand feet high, and it stuck up like a thumb in that part of the world. Now we don't think a whole lot of mountains that are only eight thousand feet high. And we've we've got the Rockies and we know all about Mount Everest and other such High mountains, 8,000 feet. That's just a little pimple on the earth. But here it sticks out, and the city that at the base of that mountain sticks out, and it's the city of Colossae. Uh, I've parked my car at 9,000 feet in the Rockies. The four brothers, the three brothers and my brother-in-law, had a week each August for a number of years called Idiot Week. It was very appropriately named. And we talked, went different places, did canoe routes through the wilderness. We backpacked into some places, and we backpacked into the Rewa Wilderness in northern Colorado, parked our car at 9,000 feet, and walked up from there. So 8,000 feet, but in the Holy Land, a mountain of 8,000 feet was really something now you have to understand that colossae eventually faded away the church that was there that got this letter doesn't exist anymore the city itself has been abandoned no one lives where the ruins of colossae are they have archaeologists have uncovered the uh, theater, and a couple of other things from Colossae. But there's nothing else there. And the church is long gone. More about that in a little bit, because churches are not guaranteed permanence. The churches of the New Testament, most of them are long gone. They have faded away. I think Colossae stands as a warning to churches that you aren't guaranteed unless you stay faithful to the Lord to stay in existence, and many of them did not. The churches in Revelation 2 and 3 that were in existence at the end of the first century of the Age of Grace are all gone. Um, Colossae is in modern Turkey, which is now a Muslim country. Believers in Jesus... In the area, that area of Turkey, are 0.008% of the population. It's all gone. What once was there isn't any longer. You know that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and he also wrote the book of Acts. And Acts records that the Apostle Paul spent three years teaching and preaching and founding a church in the big city of Ephesus, the big city of that part of the earth. It was on his third missionary journey. And Luke says, quote, all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord. You got that? All who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord. From Ephesus there spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was part of this trade route, and people that came along in that trade route got witnessed to by the Ephesian believers and took the gospel to other places on the earth. It happened here with a man by the name of Epaphras, and we're going to meet him in the first chapter, in the first few verses of the first chapter of Colossians. And Ephesus was visited by Epaphras, and he met Jesus Christ and brought Christ back to his hometown of Colossae. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this because I saw it happen in the Scriptures in other times and in other places. Um, Philip, the apostle Philip, the, was called by the Lord to go out into uh, Uh, the desert and intersect a chariot. Um, Must have been a wealthy guy. He was the treasurer of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And this eunuch was riding along in his chariot. Somebody else was driving the chariot. And he was reading the scroll of Isaiah. I know he had money because Poor people didn't have copies of the Scriptures. Poor people couldn't read either. And he is reading Isaiah, and of all things, reading Isaiah 53. And Philip intersects that chariot and says to the man, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, no, how can I, except somebody explains it to me. And Philip says, move over. And he climbs up into the chariot and he begins in Isaiah 53 and explains to him Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, whose crucifixion, his sacrifice, is spoken of in Isaiah 53. Why is that important to Colossians? Because when the gospel was finally taken more directly and deliberately down into North Africa, into uh, Ethiopia, There were Christians already there that had come to Christ evidently through the testimony and the word of this eunuch who met Jesus Christ at the hand of Philip back here. I wanted to read something to you, and I don't know where where I've got it in my notes here. Aaron and Janelle are missionaries supported by Newcastle, and they are missionaries who work with a mission group called... Africa Inland Mission, A-I-M, Africa Inland Mission. And the wife of the fella who's the head of that mission is quite a a prayer warrior. And I have met them, met the two of them a couple of times, and talked with them, and I got on her um, email listing. So every day, seven days a week, I get a thing to pray for Africa. In fact, that's what it's called, just Pray Africa. And I got one this past week, on Thursday of this past week. And it says, Recently we visited a Gabra community near the Ethiopian border. They had heard the gospel from a shepherd, and there are now 40 believers. So this is a town that missionaries haven't gone to yet. And when they finally get there, they find out that some shepherd heard the gospel and believed it, brought it back to that village, and 40 people in that village have already become believers. Isn't that wonderful? He said, "Um, We spent the day celebrating Jesus with these dear brothers and sisters. It was three hours of nonstop worship. After Eddie had shared the good news, the elder of the village said, We want to know more about this culture of Jesus, and please don't stop coming to teach us how to be Christians. Isn't that wild? They don't have the Scriptures. They don't have a single word of the Scriptures. They don't know things that we know about the Bible, but they know about Jesus Christ, and they have believed him. And it's that sort of thing that happened in Colossae. Epaphras goes to Ephesus, and he meets Paul, And he gets saved. And he comes back to Colossae and begins to talk to people about Jesus. More of them believe. And pretty soon there's a church there. They don't have a pastor. They don't have a Sunday school. They don't have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. They don't have a wana. What are these people doing? And Luke records that all that lived in Asia... The word of God spread to them. Open your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. Read with me just a little bit at verse 5 because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of God in truth as you also learned from Epaphras our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That's the way things are supposed to work. Now, the Colossian church was beset with an error, a, a heresy. It's called the Gnostic heresy, and it's spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C. And it's not like Scott Ganusi, where the G is pronounced. It's like Gnostic N-O-S-T-I-C, but it's got a silent G at the beginning of it. And the Gnostics were the heresy of that day. They were people who infested churches and they are mentioned in several of the New Testament books. I don't think that heresy has gone away. There's more to it than what you'll learn today. I think it's just changed its clothes in in our day. Uh, The Masons have an inside track that only Masons can know. Uh, when you look at your dollar bill next time in your, in your wallet, look at the eye on the uh, pyramid, the all-seeing eye. That's an influence of the Masonic order. The Masonic order is secretive. As a matter of fact, if you're part of it, you can't tell your wife. You're not supposed to divulge the secrets of the Masonic order even to your wife. And they have an inside track on God. We know things that you just don't know. And if you want to know what we know, you've got to become one of us. You've got to join our bunch. The uh, Roman Catholics don't make much of it today because they're trying to present themselves as being very ecumenical, understanding of the people who don't believe the way they do. But the Roman Catholic Church says that the Roman pontiff, when he speaks ex cathedra in terms of faith and practice, those are papal bulls and they are... God, from God himself, and you are not to abridge them. They are binding on everyone, period. And a couple hundred years ago, papal bull came out that said, there is no salvation except being subject to the Roman pontiff. Well, you can't change them. Can't be changed. You can kind of put it away and pretend it doesn't exist and overlook it, but it says that. Um, the mormons have secret initiation rites and the average mormon may be a nice person who puts his family first and does things to uh, honor that and that teaching but they've got the book of mormon and the pearl of great price and so forth And they know things about God that you don't know. And if you want to know them, you have to join their church. And you have to be sworn to secrecy about some things. They aren't to be divulged to the people um, (coughs) outside. Jehovah's Witnesses have this, and they have their own translation of the New Testament which straightens out some of the mistakes in our New Testament, which uphold Jesus Christ as Savior alone and present him with deity. The fullness of God dwells in him, but they overlook that. We have churches, I don't think they're trying to be nasty, but there's a hint in their name that makes me kind of cringe when I hear it, and they call them full gospel churches. Most of them are charismatic, Um, and the idea is that what you have and what you teach is not a complete gospel. You are missing something. You are leaving out some things, and we have the full gospel. We, We teach the whole thing, and if you want to know about it, you've got to join us. Now, the Gnostics were the heretics of that day. They went into churches, caused all sorts of problems, because in deference to what was being taught from the Word of God, they taught that they had an inside track. We had uh, an inside knowledge about God. Gnostic comes from the gnosis, which in Greek is knowledge. And it's a secret that you can't share otherwise, and you have to be part of that group to know it. Then you progress from there they detracted from Christ he wasn't the creator as a matter of fact he created somebody who created somebody else who created then the world he wasn't the creator he wasn't preeminent Um, in Gnosticism there were little tiny bits and pieces of Judaism circumcision rabbinic traditions dietary regulations they had rules on their rules on their rules and rules about making rules Um, they had festival observances. They were crazy over angels. And that in the last 20, 25 years is our society too. We are bonkers over angels. Um, They were haughty. Well, after all, I know something you don't know. So I'm on the inside. They had a lot of superiority. So Paul wrote Colossae. He wrote to them, And he said, uh, I want to know Jesus Christ and to know his kingdom and to know his redemption and to know that he is the image, the outward form, of God himself, God who is spirit, took on flesh so that we could see him and hear him, also so he could die. Um, He's preeminent over everything. He is the cohesion that holds everything together. He is the Lord over creation and over the church, which is his body. He's the head of that body, and he is the victor over death. He experienced death, fully experienced death, and was raised from the dead and is alive forevermore. He has the secret of control over death. Now, I mentioned to you that the four prison prison epistles of which Colossians is one of them, were sent out by Paul. I don't know if the men who carried these four letters to their recipients understood that they held in their hands a scroll that was God-ordained Scripture. Did they know that at that time? I don't know. Obviously, there are other letters that aren't included in our New Testament, and yet we are assured that all things that pertain to life and godliness are here in this New Testament. So there are letters that Paul wrote that weren't necessarily inspired by the Holy Spirit and sent to churches. Uh, There were other correspondences that took place between the people of that day. If you had in your possession right now one of the original scrolls, the original letters, original autographs of one of these letters of the New Testament, you would have something in your hands that would be worth multiplied millions, millions of dollars. And it would be fought over by every group everywhere that esteemed the Scriptures in any way. Chris Metalman taught us in the other classroom uh, some months ago about the fact... I, w- I had thought there were five about 5,000 copies of the New Testament Scriptures, early copies of the New Testament Scriptures, and now there are nearly 6,000 of them. It's actually better for us to have the copies than to have the original because if you had the original, somebody would lock it up in a vault someplace and you wouldn't be allowed to read it. Now we've got scriptures that you can read that are translated from the original and from the copies of the original. Tychicus is the name of the guy who carried the letter from Paul to Ephesus. Epaphroditus, carried the scroll of Philippians to the church in Philippi. Epaphras, that you have just read about in chapter 1, carried the scroll of Colossians to the Colossian church. And Onesimus, the runaway slave, took the scroll of Philemon back to Philemon, who was his master that he had run away from in order to get away from him and... God directed him to find Paul and to find Jesus Christ as his Savior. Philemon became his master again, but he was more than that, more than just his owner. He was his brother, his brother in Christ. Now, Christ is going to live in you. He's going to go to school with you. He's going to go shopping with you. He's going to cut your grass with you. He's going to walk down the street with you. He's going to work out with you. He's going to eat with your family at the dining room table. Christianity is Christ. And the Bible teaches that Christ is in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit, that Christ is down here where you live. I want you to be aware of this. Centuries ago, Watchman Nee wrote a little book called Practicing the Presence of Christ. It's a gem. It's a jewel. And in it he was washing pots and pans and doing other things, but he was doing it in the presence of Jesus Christ. Try to do that. Spend a day in the presence of God. Drive as though Jesus was sitting in the passenger seat along with you. Go shopping and be aware of the presence of Christ and be saying, bump me into the people that you want me to meet today. See? I want to take Christ with me wherever I go and whoever I have a casual conversation with you. Practicing the presence of Christ. Now, take your notes and think a little bit with me about them. By the way, did all of you get a a copy of the notes and then get a copy also of this little piece of paper. Did you know that the Apostle Paul wrote a song to go with his book? More of that lie later. (laughs) Your notes present you with uh, a 12-point schemata of what we hope to do over the next few weeks. I am absolutely thrilled at the privilege of sharing the teaching of this class with Pastor Slappy. That tickles my gizzard, it makes my elbows smile, and I am glad for that. We have chosen to try to teach Colossians thematically. So we've gone through the book of Colossians and separated it into segments that present a different theme. And our goal is going to be to teach the theme from the book of Colossians, but then go back into the Old Testament and grab other pieces of Scripture that teach that same theme and reach out into other books of the New Testament and teach the things that the rest of the Scriptures teach about that theme so that we get a a wider, better, fuller view of what's going on with these things. I, I want you to take seriously what isn't said very seriously on the bottom of that page. Your homework assignment is to read Colossians, and I hope you will. I really hope you will. I've got an agreement with the elders that they will not slash your tires if you don't read colossians but really you you owe it to yourself to read colossians i hope you read it more than once but that's getting kind of scary i hope that if you read it more than once you'll at at least read it once in a different translation from what you ordinarily read that will stretch your mind that'll blow your mind Just to hear the same thing said in a different way. And I I want to encourage you to do that. Um, You can read it in little pieces and read it, we're going to be almost a month in the first chapter. So you can read that 17 times. I don't suggest that. But I want you to read it. And this time, when you read it, read it out loud. Read it out loud, please. Read Colossians out loud. Now, I live alone, and I can talk to myself, and there's nobody to laugh at me and think how stupid that is. But if you live with other people, and they mock you when you just mumble to yourself, then go out in the garage and sit in the car and read Colossians. Or go in the bathroom and turn on the overhead exhaust fan, Make sure it's blowing and making lots of noise. And then you can sit on the throne and read Colossians. But whatever you do, read Colossians. And I hope you will. On that back of that page is some information that I've already given to you, but some that I haven't. In the second paragraph, I mentioned that Paul wrote this letter about A.D. 62. So if you're taking notes, That'll give you a hinge point to take a look at. It was likely written during his first imprisonment in Rome, and Colossians will tell you more about that. In Colossians 1.7, Epaphras is named. We've already read that. And the danger of this heresy, the Gnostic heresy, that was a danger to the doctrinal purity and the loving fellowship of the church there is no evidence anywhere that Paul ever got to Colossae. He heard about it. He knew about it. He knew about it firsthand from Epaphras and others that he met. It's very likely that the church was begun by Epaphras, and I've spoken to you all ready with that. Um, In the third paragraph of the second page, it mentions the Gnostic heresy. Mentions that they had an exclusive aristocratic spirit about them. Mentions their unacceptable asceticism and stoicism, their licentiousness. If it feels good, do it. And if it felt good when you did it, do it again. That's the idea. Paul dealt with this, teaching that all the wisdom of God is hidden in Christ. And he is freely available to everybody who believes him so that it's possible that the staff of your church has gone to a Bible college or a seminary or something of that sort, but they don't know anything that you can't know, and they ought to, if they have the right attitude, be willing to share with you anything that they do know. That's the right attitude. So when you read Colossians, you're going to read things about wisdom and knowledge and new moons and sabbaths and meals and drinks and self-humiliation and angel worship and to the people who consider themselves superior because they are in that crime and then on the bottom of that page it says there's a little word to be found throughout Colossians it's a preposition it's just two letters and it's the word in I n in now I haven't counted it in other translations, and I'll talk to you about memory work in a moment. In the New King James that I often read and and study and preach from, it appears 77 times. In fact, a couple, three years ago, I read Colossians with a green marker, and I marked the ends and now my bible has green measles <laughs> but you get the idea i i mean 77 times in just four little chapters this preposition appears it's absolutely wild and i don't want you to mark up your bible if you don't feel like marking it up but take note as you read colossians of that preposition in I wrote in here, you're used to being in trouble, in love, in competition, in danger, in doubt, in debt, in hot water. (laughs) All of us. I mean, that's frequently for some of us. But now you have to get used to being in Christ. I'm in His body, the church. He's in me. All of that's because of what He did for us at the cross. And so when you read Colossians, look at the end and find out what you're in. You are in his body. You are in Christ. You are in the church. And you are specially special because you are in love now with Jesus. He's loved you from the beginning, but now you have come to believe on him, and you are in him. He gets the preeminence. Take a look at the third page. It says, memory verses. Before you... Um, it's not necessary that you memorize these verses. I hope you will, but it's not necessary. In fact, if you want to come to the class on Sunday mornings and you don't want to read Colossians and you don't want to learn the memory verses, you are as welcome as can possibly be. Enjoy. I'm serious. But you'll get more out of it if you learn these things. If you'll just glance at this page, you'll see that each memory verse is only a line and a half of words. That's all. If you move to Montana, you'd have to learn all the streets around your new house and all the highways and a new area code and a new phone number and a new zip code and a new address and you wouldn't think a thing of it. So have that attitude. Do you know the easiest way to memorize a little verse of Scripture like this? It's not to try to memorize it. Here's how you do it. You take a three-by-five card and you write it, write that verse on that card so that your eyes see it and you say it out loud and your mouth, mouth is it, mouths it, and your brain thinks it and your ears hear it and then you take that card and put it in your pocket. No, it doesn't. Go by osmosis into you. <laughs> you take that card out three, four, five times a day, and you just read it through out loud. And you know what happens? After three, four, or five days, you know that verse sideways, and you didn't even try. You didn't raise a sweat. You can do it. Well, <clears throat> we've picked a verse from each of the four chapters, and they are really good. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have the preeminence. How long does it take to say that verse? A few seconds. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Doesn't take much longer to say that verse. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wow. You can do that. I mean, if you've got an extra six or eight months, you could learn that many words. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer every man. That's good stuff. And it will help you understand the point of the book of Colossians if you'll learn it. Now, to go to the last page. study questions for Colossians 1 these are easy questions and it's an open book test we're not trying to get you to be a genius about this we're trying to have you know the contents of Colossians and be able to find what's in it so here are the questions you don't have to do this either if you decide you don't want to do it don't do it but I want you to consider it because Newcastle is giving a certificate to the people who take our equipping classes, not just Sunday school classes, they're equipping classes. You are being equipped. Don't you feel good about that? So open your Bibles, find the answers, write them in here, turn this back to Pastor Denny or to me, and we'll take care of it. See to it that you get credit for doing that. You're almost home. Hang on. I want you to pretend that you are the church in Colossi. You got a nice, warm fellowship, good bunch of people, but there are some real cranks in your church, and they are snooty. They they just think they are really some punkin. I mean, really. Whoa. And they've got this inner knowledge that makes them better than anybody else. Oh, man, you can hardly put up with them. And they want to take over the church. They want to be the leaders. They want to teach the classes. They want to be the center of attention. They want to take your church and turn it into the Gnostic Bible Church of Colossae. Paul writes to them, don't try to follow this in your scriptures because this is a different translation. But Paul writes to them, and this is what he says. My dad would say he calls a spade a shovel. <laughs> you gotta think about that one for a while. Okay. Are you ready? You innocent believers that have some Gnostic people sitting in the next pew to you? Are you ready? My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well-constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in Him. So you can see and hear Him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope. To realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him when you come to him that fullness comes together for you too his power extends over everything entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve it's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws no you're already in insiders not through some secretive initiation rite but rather through what Christ has already done through you destroying the power of sin if it's an initiation ritual you're after you've already been through it by submitting to baptism going under the water was a burial of your old life coming up out of it was a resurrection God raising you from the dead as he did Christ When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive, right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. So don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet, worship services, or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance, the real thing, is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you've put all that pretentious, infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? (laughs) Such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice. (laughs) They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic. But they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. Does that sound like Paul (coughs) hit the nail on the head? I think so. We're going there over the next little bit. And I hope you will go with us and make this a joyous trip in Colossians. Now I mentioned to you, rather foolishly, (coughs) that the Apostle Paul also wrote a song. And these are the words to it. Hope you got one. (coughs) Singing this song will just give you the essence of... The book of Colossians. So how many of you know let load this song? Oh a couple of them. Wow. You three ought to sing real loud. Okay. Ready? Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in. do that most Sundays. Um, I've given the music to Susie, so the next time you hear it, it will be right. (laughs) And if you will pray with me, I'll let you go, because I am supposed to lead a prayer huddle at the other end of the building in just a few minutes. Okay, better duck. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they didn't mention it in the service this morning either. At 6 o'clock this evening, we're having another um, hymn sing, and it'll be out on the patio out alongside uh, our intersection building. Well, we've done that the last two or three years, and it's been great. We sing all of our favorites, and you can suggest that we sing yours. And along with that, You get a pretty good gob of ice cream and you can put whatever you want on it for toppings and how can you beat a deal like that you can't so i'll see you at six o'clock this evening if you're not going to sit up where the chairs are already on the patio and that won't take care of the whole crowd you might think about the possibility of bringing a chair with you or something fair enough okay close your eyeballers Father, we love you and we are grateful for you and grateful for what you have written into the book of Colossians and left for us to read and study. Make us better. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in us, please. I pray that through the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you, folks. Where did you read from? Hmm? what version did you read from that was the message the message okay yeah i don't know what to do here how do we get back oh i know press this button yeah and now and then hit the and now